the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back Wednesday, December 1st, 2021. Our friend and teacher George Orwell lamented the problems of the English language many a decade ago, writing, quote, The decline of language must ultimately have political and economic causes. It's not due simply to the bad influence of this or that individual writer, but an effect can become a cause, reinforcing the original cause and producing the same effects in an intensified form and so on indefinitely. A man may take to drink because he feels himself to be a failure and then fail all the more completely because of his drinking. It is rather the same thing that is happening to the English language. It becomes ugly and inaccurate because our thoughts are foolish. But the slovenliness of our language makes it easier for us to have foolish thoughts, close quote. That was George Orwell. And to allow those foolish thoughts to maintain the force of persuasion and then take on a new truth of their own is what we grapple with here, a new truth. Because in our political age, absolutes are out, and truth seems to always require a modifier so that the political animal can use it to his advantage, even when it is otherwise unavailable. Consider, Donald Trump holds a rally, perfectly protected by at least two clauses in the First Amendment. In that rally, he gives a speech. He urges his supporters to march peacefully to the Capitol. Some don't. In fact, some never even heard him, having marched on the Capitol unpeaceably while he was still speaking. Donald Trump gets impeached for that and cited by the political class with incitement and massively disrupting our democracy to the point of something so egregious We are told it hasn't taken place since the Civil War, as the current president of the United States continues to put it. You have to change or be ignorant of history and language for any of that to be actually considered true. I note in passing that with all the modifiers we put on truth these days, it is a mark of our decline that we now require the modifier actually to be placed in front of the word truth or true. There have been plenty of attacks on the Capitol, some violent, some not. The Puerto Rican nationalist terrorist attack on the Capitol in some of your lifetimes would be but one of several examples. But we don't speak of that, right? We wipe it off of our history books because, well, you know, wrong politics, wrong nationalities. By the way, five U.S. representatives, five members of the House of Representatives were shot that day. But only January 6, 2021, where one rioter was shot. Rioter is to be part of the history books. One could argue when rioters, sorry, protesters, disrupted Supreme Court nominee hearings and then created invented victims to further stop the nomination process, that that was a disruption or an end run of democracy. One could argue when leftists stormed and took over the Wisconsin state capitol for days to cheers from the Democrats that that was a disruption of democracy, a cessation of the people's right to vote and be representative and enact laws. 
One could argue when Democrats fled the state of Texas, state legislators, elected legislators in Texas, fled the state so as to avoid a subpoena and quorum in the state capitol in order to prevent legislation they did not like from being voted on by duly elected representatives of the people, that that was a disruption of democracy. One could argue all that, but in vanity. Because all those things were on the right side of the culture, which is to say on the left wing of it. When Charles Schumer yelled at a rally, quote, we're coming for you, Gorsuch. We're coming for you, Kavanaugh. You will weep the whirlwind, close quote. That was certainly no incitement, threat or effort to intimidate our federal judiciary or stop democracy. Any more than riots and firebombings of a federal courthouse in Oregon was. But for several hours, not more, it is true. On January 6th, Congress's actions were delayed for several hours. And by 5 p.m. Phoenix time on that same January 6th, Congress was back in session validating votes. 5 p.m. Phoenix time that very day. Back to Orwell, as he put it. Our language becomes ugly and inaccurate because our thoughts are foolish, he writes. But the slovenliness of our language makes it easier for us to have foolish thoughts, as he points out. Which gets us to what the Supreme Court is hearing today, a case on abortion and viability of life that will or could or might amend a nearly 50-year-old case dealing with the life of the unborn and the rights of the mother carrying that unborn. To many, any change to this decision, Roe versus Wade, per Chuck Schumer, should release a whirlwind. U.S. Senator Gene Shaheen of New Hampshire stated Monday, quote, I think if you want to see a revolution, go ahead. Outlaw Roe v. Wade and see what the response is of the public, particularly young people, close quote. There it is in normal language. The Supreme Court must decide a certain way or prepare for justified revolution. But Donald Trump was a threat to democratic processes, of course, don't you know? May I say a few things to update where we are on this in light of George Orwell's language concerns? Some say I don't speak about the abortion issue enough. I remember being at a conference once where Harry Jaffa, perhaps the greatest living scholar then on Abraham Lincoln and the Declaration of Independence, gave a talk on liberty, life, and the pursuit of happiness. A questioner in the audience stood up and said, I've followed your work for years. My question is, are you pro-life? I've not heard you on that. He answered, of course I'm pro-life. How could I be anything else if you followed me for years on Lincoln and the notion that all men were created equal— You would have to know that as much as you would have to be that. But, of course, I do understand we live in an age where we cannot presume too much knowledge. I would like to assimilate Harry Jaffa's answer as my own, but perhaps it's not quite sufficient, so let me try to get us there. First, as you know, a pet peeve of mine is a political, journalistic, and commentary trick and class that likes to say the Republican Party should get off these kinds of issues. They like Reagan. They like Goldwater. And they never fussed the Reagans and Goldwaters with stuff like this. That was always wrong and never more wrong than now. Do they forget, if they ever knew, that Reagan gave, a, gave speech after speech, not to mention radio broadcast after radio broadcast on the right to life? Do they know he actually wrote a book as president when he was president on that issue alone, being the only president in office to write a book while in office. The title of that book, Abortion and the Conscience of a Nation. 
Let me read to you from its peroration. Quote, we can echo the always practical woman of faith, Mother Teresa, when she says, if you don't want the little child, that unborn child, give him to me. We have so many families in America seeking to adopt children that the slogan, every child, a wanted child, is now the emptiest of all reasons to tolerate abortion. We will never recognize the true value of our own lives until we affirm the value in the life of others, Ronald Reagan continued. However low it flickers or fiercely burns, it is still a divine flame which no man dare presume to put out, be his motives ever so humane and enlightened, Reagan wrote. Abraham Lincoln recognized that we could not survive as a free land when some men could decide that others were not fit to be free and therefore should be slaves. Likewise, we cannot survive as a free nation when some men decide that others are not fit to live and should be abandoned to abortion or infanticide. Ronald Reagan said, quote, My administration is dedicated to the preservation of America as a free land, and there is no cause more important for preserving that freedom than affirming the transcendent right to life of all human beings, the right without no other rights have any meaning. That was Ronald Reagan. I read that late in my life. But something I read a little earlier was this, if I may quote, and it's not Ronald Reagan. Bear with. There are those who argue that the right to privacy is of a higher order than the right to life. I do not share that view. I believe that life is not private, but rather is public and universal. If one accepts the position that life is private, and therefore you have the right to do with it as you please, one must also accept the conclusion of that logic. That was the premise of slavery. You could not protest the existence or treatment of slaves on the plantation because that was private and therefore outside your right to be concerned. Another area, still quoting, that concerns me greatly is with regard to race, the psycholinguistics involved in the whole issue of abortion. If something can be dehumanized enough through the rhetoric used to describe it, then the major battle has been won. Whites dehumanized blacks by calling them the N-word. It was part of the dehumanizing process. The first step was to distort the image of the human being in order to justify that which they wanted to do and not even feel like they had done anything wrong. Those advocates of taking life prior to birth do not call it killing or murder. They call it abortion. And they further never talk about aborting a baby because that would be too human. Rather, they talk about a fetus. Fetus sounds less human. And therefore, the practice can be justified, the speaker says. Continuing, quoting, In conclusion, even if one does take life by aborting the baby, I must also inform and or remind you that there is a doctrine of forgiveness. The God I serve is a forgiving God. The men who killed President John Kennedy and Dr. Martin Luther King may someday be forgiven. Everyone can come to the mercy seat and find forgiveness and acceptance. But, and this may be the essence of my argument, this speaker says, suppose one is so hard-hearted and so indifferent to life until he assumes that there is nothing for which to be forgiven. What happens to the mind of a person and the moral fabric of a nation that accepts the aborting of the life of a baby without a single pang of conscience? What kind of person and what kind of a society will we have years hence if life can be taken so casually? It is that question, the speaker says, the question of our attitude, our value system, and our mindset with regard to the nature and worth of life itself that is the central question confronting mankind. Failure to answer that question affirmatively will leave us with a hell right here 
on earth, close quote. A hell right here on earth. That was not Ronald Reagan. That was Jesse Jackson. It was 1977. He's changed his views. Ronald Reagan never did. But those views of a peace were right then and there, true then and true now. This would, of course, be why two other ministers active with Martin Luther King, his best friend, Reverend Ralph Abernathy, and former football player and now minister Rosie Greer, also endorsed Reagan for president on this very issue. We can debate it, or we can take it all very seriously. In the end, I stand with nobody more than I stand with Abraham Lincoln, who said this. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This was their majestic interpretation of the economy of the universe. This was their lofty and wise and noble understanding of the justice of the creator to his creatures. Yes, gentlemen, Lincoln continued, to all his creatures, to the whole great family of man, for in their enlightened belief, Nothing stamped with the divine image and likeness was sent into the world to be trodden on and degraded and imbruted by its fellows. They grasped not only the whole race of man then living, but they reached forward and seized upon the farthest posterity. They erected a beacon to guide their children and their children's children and the countless myriads who should inhabit the earth in other ages. Wise statesmen as they were, they knew the tendency of prosperity to breed tyrants, and they established thus the great self-evident truths that when in the distant future some man, some faction, some interest should set up the doctrine that none but rich men or none but white men were entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, their posterity might look up again to that old declaration of independence and take courage to renew the battle which their fathers began so that truth and justice and mercy and all the humane and Christian virtues might not be extinguished from the land, so that no man would hereafter dare to limit and circumscribe the great principle on which the Temple of Liberty was being built. Close quote. I had to, uh, I had to have Tug McGraw's son there uh, get that lyric in. I love that. Refried dreams. I also want to reintroduce to the audience my boss, uh, Vice President of All Things Important, Mr. Chris Llewellyn, who is sitting in as producer pro tem for us today. Chris, I hope you're well. Uh, thank you for manning the uh, the control room and everything else important today. Bill will be back with us tomorrow, but we uh, we love having you here, and uh, it's always good seeing you. Everything good in your thank life? You, my friend. Good, good, good. We have another guest here. We have Dagny the Wonder Dog, who is sitting at my feet. And uh, have, she hasn't been in the studio in a while, but uh, she she did the rounds here. She didn't scared me. You she scared that. you. Well, remember when we were walking in the studio before yeah. the show started, and you were sitting down, and all of a sudden Dagny just jumped out from up, out behind the desk, and I freaked out. I didn't know she was here. Well, she did her job. Yeah, she was protecting. Me. Just quiet. She didn't really jump. She just walked out. Yeah. I, I, she, when you're in a recording studio, yeah. in a radio studio, yeah. and an animal comes yeah. to you, you you pause for a minute. You, you used to. You used to. Now you need to be prepared for anything here. True. It, you know, it's fear and surprise. I'm like the Spanish Inquisition. I mean, at this point, people in the studio is like... <laughs> at this point, people in the office are surprised. That's oh, right. Yeah. That's a very good point. Speaking of the Spanish Inquisition and fear and surprise, Joe Biden today speaking about the Omicron variant, uh, which he can't um, uh, pronounce, uh, but that's okay. Uh, you know, we're 
learning to tolerate these kinds of things. Omicron uh, variant he was talking about today said the most important thing you can do is get a booster shot. Be vaccinated and get a booster shot. Get vaccinated and get a, and, and get a, it's it's a loop that he uh, seems to be stuck on. And the only reason I'm focused on on the, on on that instruction of his on that diagnosis of his is because we're supposed to follow the science and i only read yesterday yes in the new york times that there are questions as to whether the current vaccines will even stop omicron um here's a headline from the new york times will the vaccine stop omicron scientists are racing to find out headline in the new york times So they raced so fast between yesterday and today that now Joe Biden is saying, evidently, the uh, vaccines and the boosters will stop Omicron. Now, there's a problem with this because this comes on the same day we receive news that indeed Omicron is in America. We have a patient. Would we call it a patient zero or a victim zero? We have a patient in Northern California. We have a, uh, a person in Northern California who has uh, tested positive, and they now know it's the Omicron uh, variant of the coronavirus. She traveled here from South Africa. And here's the funny thing about it, and it's not funny. It's tragically, damagingly sad because we convince ourselves that, contra C.S. Lewis, when there is a flood, we seem to think the important thing is to run for fire hoses. This person, this traveler... This patient zero with the Omicron uh, variant, fully vaccinated, fully vaccinated. So why is the media a day ago writing articles asking, will the vaccine stop Omicron? And you wait 24 hours to be told by Joe Biden that that's the best thing you can do is get vaccinated in a booster shot if you're already vaccinated and you're eligible to stop Omicron, Omicron as he calls it. There's no evidence of this, and indeed our patient zero was fully vaccinated. Fully vaccinated. So we can keep playing these games, or we can think about it in terms of what some of my friends at lunch were telling me about this, which is you have to understand the timing of these things. You have to understand the timing. If you want to follow the science then listen to the head of the Medical Association of South Africa, who said, we don't even have any hospitalizations for this. And while it might be more transmissible, it's no more dangerous. That's what the head of the Medical Association in South Africa, where this virus evidently started, that's what she said. That's what she said. You can listen to that. You can look at the evidence, sometimes known as science, of the patient who has it in Northern California and realize, oh, they were fully vaccinated. And you can um, choose to ignore all that and listen to your president of the United States who says the best thing you can do is be vaccinated and boosted to stop the Omicron variant. Waiting for that evidence. Waiting for that evidence. Right now, how many of you think that the government is making it up as they go along? And how many of you think they are lying to you? Let me be fair. How many of you think they're telling you the truth? You have three choices. I'd love to know what your thoughts are. We'll be right back. 
describing the life of John Dombrowski. No, 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 no. He is, of course, our culture and economy expert. He is um, he is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates, GrandCanyonPlanning.com, his website. Also, his own radio show right here every Saturday morning at 7 a.m., The Word on Wealth. What's the word on the culture and the economy today, J.D.? Well, I mean, it's been an interesting day, right? Yeah, this, this, this I would say that's been... a good word for it, yes. <laughs> This market has been a bit fickle here. Um, it seems like the first strain of the new virus has been uh, has hit the uh, continent here. Yes, uh, or has hit uh, not the continent, but hit the hit United the country, States. Yeah. I think it was in Canada uh, prior to this as well. I think they have a couple cases. So I, I mean, we all felt this was inevitable. The markets reacted again today, uh, kind of erratic. Uh, we also are think on fears of potentially. Uh, uh, the Fed's move and discussion about transitory comments on uh, inflation may not be transitory anymore, is what Fed Chair Powell said. Um, but you know what's interesting, Seth? I looked at this. I went back to the beginning of uh, the scare of COVID-19, oh, right okay. back in 2020, back into March okay. of 2020, when we, when we, or February, actually, is when the market first began to feel the impact of the initial phase of COVID-19. And we saw the the markets drop over 30-plus percent for the Dow, almost 40 percent for the S&P 500 in an extremely short period of time. Um, and actually, it was on, um, what was it, uh, let me see here, what day, on uh, March 12th of 2020, the, the Dow Jones Industrial Average dropped 9.9 percent in one day. Wow. Okay. So when we look at the the markets today and what happened today, uh, I, I'm not that you know looking at this as something for us to think of it along the same lines as what happened back in 2020. Yeah. Markets were down 1.34 percent. Yeah, that's a to- totally different environment, isn't it? Yeah. Totally different. Yeah. And we're hearing this, the the news about the new strain that it's not as aggressive as uh, many worried about. So uh, this to me is, is, again, just all part of what the market does. It's a living, breathing entity. Things go up and down. And as I, you know me, I'm always preaching about long term. And these give us opportunities for those who are investing on a, a pay period basis. Every time they have a paycheck, a portion of that goes into their 401k. Well, guess what? You're buying uh, the same investments that you bought two weeks ago at a lower value today, which is great. So your dollar cost averaging into the market, I think that's fine. Are we going to have moving forward volatility? Absolutely. I think we're going to see uh, there's going to be vo- more volatility than we've seen. But we still are entering into the Christmas uh, season. Uh, oftentimes, December is a good month. It's the first day of the month. We're going to have to wait and see how this plays out. One of the things that hopefully we uh – we will not lose here is our common sense and our sanity over this thing, right? I mean, agreed. I don't know that. I don't know how to put this. I guess college university faculties they 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 used to be 
the English department was here, the mathematics department was there, sociology was there, and they never talked to one another. And I'm wishing that the government of the United States would talk with one another before they start making these pronouncements that per- put everyone into, into panic, fear, and surprise. Right. Because the consequences, um, there's a lot of downwash. There's economic, there's youth, there's social, there's all kinds, psych- psychiatric, there's all, kind of, there's all kinds of, you know, effects that come from these pronouncements that people don't think of when they don't consult the entirety of the world that they're, in, that they're actually operating in. And so, yeah, a certain statement that may be ill-advised by the president or the CDC director, throw the markets totally off, off, off course. Yeah, or even just somebody out there uh, in the media who's uh, making comments, which absolutely. You know, oh, oh, yes, out, absolutely right. Yes, gets Ab- out the Twitter, and all of a sudden everybody's a medical expert out there saying that this is you know the worst thing, uh, and it's not the case. So uh, we have to be very selective as to you know what we're reading on on our social media, and so even here in the news, and we have to you know be able to sift through all of the the uh, individuals out there who are stretching maybe uh, some of the comments that they make. Well, you and well. I are making a very similar point. I think we're making the same point in two different in two different categories, which which should be one category. I think you, we'd both agree on that as well. Uh, yeah. the, the, the market did end down today. Don't panic over it. No. Don't panic over it. We've been through a lot worse. Omicron is here. Yeah. We've been don't through a lot worse. It. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Then yeah. that's really where I'm going with that. That's exactly where we that. always are. Appreciate Keep calm it, uh, and carry on. Yes, and if you have questions or concerns, you want to review things, give me a call at our Scottsdale office of Grand Canyon Planning, 480-991-1055. Go to our website, grandcanyonplanning.com. Securities and advisory services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of Finrin Certificate and Investment Advisor. Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Beautifully done, J.D. Thank you. I want to Thank talk you. more about that Keep Calm and Carry On. People had this as bumper stickers. Was it just a lie? You ever have days like that where you feel like you're dancing on the ceiling? Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. If it's Wednesday, we check in with our Robert H. Jackson visiting fellow in constitutional studies. That is the great Brett Johnson, partner at the law firm of Snell and Wilmer. Brett, how are you this Wednesday? Good, good. Thanks for having me, Seth. You betcha. Thanks for being here. It's a day pregnant with constitutional debates and arguments, and I think a lot of misunderstandings about things, too. Uh, the Supreme Court heard oral arguments today on a on a case that has uh, strong repercussions on a nearly 50-year-old precedent. You want to say something about it? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> something. Um, one thing. <laughs> something. I, I got a couple things. To well, say. Let, let me. So you, those... I'll, I'll kick this off. I'll tell you how okay. how deep the misunderstanding is about these things. I saw Neil Cavuto on Fox News earlier saying that if Roe versus Wade is in fact stricken down, abortion will be illegal in the United States of America. He's never That's... evidently read a single case on abortion. No, he hasn't. And that was actually even clarified by the Supreme Court today. Um, The case name, just in case anybody wants to Google it, is Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. Um, Deals with a Mississippi law that was passed in 2018 um, that basically prohibits abortions before uh, 15 uh, 15 weeks of pregnancy, um, which would basically, as as the trial court determined and the Fifth Circuit um, Court of Appeals, which is quite conservative in itself, 
determined that that would violate um, Roe versus Wade precedent, and then they, a, a case called Planned Parenthood versus Casey, mm-hmm. um, which basically said any law that prohibited abortion is outright before week 23 of pregnancy um, is basically unconstitutional. Um, so, but what the court, to answer your specific question, Seth, what the court clearly got from both parties is, is that this was not meant to prohibit abortion across the United States, that this would basically... Doesn't even it prohibit it in Mississippi. It wouldn't even prohibit it in Mississippi. Right. It would kick it back. It would be a state's right, right. issue. Right. And that the state legislatures would be able to put their own parameters on um, a woman's um, ability to have an abortion in, in, in their jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. It would not prohibit a person from traveling to a different state or from obtaining a, a, um, an abortion in a jurisdiction that would, would necessarily allow it, so long as, obviously, other restrictions are, are applied. But, but what is really interesting about this case, and obviously I'm a constitutional nerd, yeah. um, but that being said, it, it, the, the amount of issues that the Supreme Court was grappling with and how complex this issue really is um, just, just cannot be overstated. Um, I wrote down, as I was listening to the oral argument today, and I read the briefs and everything like that, there were nine different legal principles that were brought up. And everybody's automatically, you have the right to abortion, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that that's, was the number one issue. And then the second issue is the fetus's right to a life. Mm-hmm. And then the third issue, the state's right to regulate that issue. So mm-hmm. those are all underneath what's called the 14th Amendment. But through the questioning, these are the other issues the Supreme Court justices were bringing up. Parental rights versus abortion rights. Yep. Basically, this is Justice Barrett's safe harbor laws. She thinks that there's a, um, an argument there. Criminal law and basically crimes against unborn children. The right. example from Justice Thomas was a cocaine-addicted mother who basically causes harm to the fetus, and the mother can be prosecuted. Another one would be if uh, a pregnant woman was assaulted and there was injury to the fetus, that would be another example of a criminal law. Mm-hmm. Um, Justice, I believe it was Sotomayor, brought, or Kagan brought up, this, this is all really about religion and whether or not this was a religious precept trying to be put on, and then so there are First Amendment implications there. Mm-hmm. Chief Justice Roberts brought up international law. Um, Chief Justice Roberts also brought up Supreme Court procedural law, as to whether or not they could even address the issues, because did the lawyers, quite honestly, messed up in their briefings about bringing the correct issue that was eventually being argued before the Supreme Court. I thought that was interesting. And then what predominated the entire argument really wasn't about abortion, per se, but about a concept called star decisis. Mm -hmm. And star decisis basically says is that the Supreme Court should have one consistent ruling throughout history. It mm-hmm. should not change itself except for ex- um, a, um, extreme, uh, um, extreme error, basically. Mm-hmm. And, and that predominated most of the argument today. But it was a very interesting argument all the way through. It's going to be interesting how this all thing, all this unfolds. The stare decisis issue is kind of the one I was thinking about, too, walking in the studio today, Brett, because... Um, whenever a nominee to the Supreme Court is put before the Senate Judiciary Committee, they're always asked about their Roe versus Wade, their views on Roe versus Wade. And we got into, I think it was with the Roberts confirmation here, and we got into this level of conversation of a super duper precedent, you know, something right. that would be extremely, uh, what shall we say, uh, ex- extremely rare 
are odd to want to revisit, right? I guess that's what yeah. super duper precedent means. But this country actually, my my understanding of history is that this country ha, ha, has not abided by stare decisis um, in some of its most famous cases. Uh, Plessy versus Ferguson, certainly. Absolutely. Dred Scott, certainly. Even the flag salute cases, which were reversed within two years of each other during World War II, Japanese internment. Stare decisis mm. is not some magical you can't overturn law, right, Brad? No. No, and that's absolutely right. So you brought up Chief Justice Roberts when he was being confirmed, but also Justice Kavanaugh. This ah. is a major issue for Justice Kavanaugh when he was actually being questioned by Senator Collins mm-hmm. as to whether or not he would abide by Roe versus Wade. And and what uh, Justice Kavanaugh said at that time is, is that Roe versus Wade was set a law and that um, basically inferred that he would not overturn it. And mm-hmm. that, that actually led to a lot of his questioning today. Um, but the rest of the justices basically um, talked about the egregious wrong, and the egregious wrong happened at the occurrence of the Supreme Court ruling, and you mentioned several of them um, today, slavery, segregation. Um, those were types of the issues that mm-hmm. were, were, were brought up, and that, that because they were egregiously wrong at the time, that they did not have fundamental fidelity to the Constitution, which was a major issue today, too. Yep that they should not have been ruled that way. Mm. And then therefore the Supreme Court could overturn it. And obviously that's a major, major issue. But both Chief Justice um, um, Roberts as well as Justice Kavanaugh at least indicated that they feel like they might be able to you know, uh, thread that small little needle where they're going to be able to uphold the Mississippi law and not necessarily overturn Roe versus Wade. Right. They may modify right. um, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which again goes to um, it, it, it diverged from Roe versus Wade as to an undue burden on the woman in being able to seek an abortion. So there's going to be a little bit of change there significantly. But I'm, 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 it's going to be interesting to see how they eventually handle this one. In the minute we have left, 35 seconds sure. we have left, some of the commentators I have been reading saying this time it feels a little different. You've seen no doubt some of that commentary, too. Yes. It feels a little – looks like – at least right now, there seems to be a little more possibility that Roe v. Wade may get not overturned, not overruled, uh, but chipped away at a bit. Very, I think it's definitely, if I'm reading tea leaves, don't like to do this as a yep. lawyer. Yep. I think that Roe v. Wade has a significant chip out of it out of after today's oral argument and the eventual decision. I, I just say it's probably unlikely that it's going to be completely yep. overturned look towards uh, them kicking it back to the state and it's becoming a state rights issue. Brett Johnson, you're the best. Bless you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You betcha. Okay. Until next week. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Dave is in surprise. Hello, Dave. Thanks for your patience. Oh, thank you, teacher. I appreciate you taking my call, sir. Of course. So you asked before the couple guests, and great as always, um, I'm so jealous you get to talk to constitutional scholars. <laughs> so, so the thing about the Constitution is really it was written so that we could all be scholars. It really it, is. It is. I mean, an that, amazing that, look at, document to have been written look, 200 years ago. It's amazing. It's an amazing thing. And you look at the qualifications for the United States Supreme Court, there aren't that many. You have to get through the Senate. Yeah, but, That's about it. You don't even have to go to law school. Do you know that? Yeah, well, I I should apply then. <laughs> I like apply. I sh- I should have used I should have used COVID to get my JD um remotely through uh through COVID online learning. In fact, the last I, I the didn't last think I was going to be off 
the last Denmark. Supreme Court justice not to have gone to law school was, in fact, Robert Jackson, the one we um, mentioned when we bring on Brett Johnson. His clerk, by the way, was William Rehnquist. Anyway. Wow. Yeah. Kind yeah. Of, kind of interesting. Great. Anyway, Snippet I'm interrupting. History. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. <laughs> okay. So you you asked before before uh, Mr. Dombrowski jumped yeah. in about uh, President Biden, yeah. and and I think he's really just a social media influencer at this point. Okay, um, he I don't think he has a command of anything in the government, despite the fact that he was first elected in '69. Yeah. Um, but the fact of the matter is, uh, you know, he's he's proclaiming that if you're vaccinated and then get countless boosters, and I think they're all boosters because they're not vaccinating anybody from getting anything. I think it actually makes you a super spreader, It's or so it may seem at this point. Um, but the fact of the matter is they're using my flashcard deal, hypocrisy, lies, and projection. It's everything that they have done or are doing they're going to accuse the other people of, and it's the establishment class that just continues to perpetuate this against us, the common people, common man and woman, of the country. And, and I just, I don't look at any of these elites. They've, they've ruined medical law, the Senate, Congress, the judiciary, all the three letter agencies. They're all worthless at this point, in my humble opinion. Yeah. No, I think I, I, so the tripartite question, is the administration lying to you? Is it telling you the truth or are they making it up as they go along? What's your, what would, is there some other option here? Maybe they're telling I, the I, truth. I, think, I mean, it is an option. I think they're consciously lying. Now, the the one thing that, and we've talked about this for a couple of years, I think most liberals, not leftists, but liberals are altruistic, and they think that the government solution could be the best one yep. for most people. Yep. Now, they also the, think it's smarter leftists, than you. Oh, well, the leftists for sure think that. And, and that's why they want to force their way on you. I think some liberals can be genuine and just think that they have a better way and they think that it's it's altruistic to, to try it. Of course, conservatives are like, leave people alone and they'll find the best solution for themselves. Well, like the Constitution, all this information is available to us. It's also apprehensible and understandable. So the chief purpose and task of education, it's still true, is to know when a man is speaking rot. That man can be your government. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.